0: I can't wait to make you make those noises, Colin. Oh, uh, dude! So fucking—they sent me home with three pre-rolls from work today. Nice. Yeah.
1: You smoked them all in the parking lot. No. No, not in the parking lot. Um, That's what I would have done. No, they got cameras.
0: What you gave them to me? Boy, you gave them to
1: me. Boy. Boy. Oi, you gave them to me. Hello, government. Hello.
0: Why don't you have yourself a oh, brew? Get.
1: Get me, burlet, Get me, little Bailey. in All right. All right. Righty right.
0: Why don't you give me right? a Foster's see, we'll over there?
1: What right? it like? What's going on in your gulliver, my dear? What's Tricky? going on in your gulliver? I got, I got cuts all up in me gutty wogs. I've been shitting blood for days. It does smell gassy. <laughs> Did you get some gas? No, it's so fucking. Whatever,
0: uh Whenever I, I was uh, around El Diablo in like, Harvest or in the trim
1: room, I was like, it smells like fucking gasoline. You know, you know.
0: <laughs> like diesel? It's so ir- yeah.
1: It's so ironic that you bring up that it's starting to smell like gas in a room you're in.
0: Nice pivot, Colin.
1: Nice pivot. Nice. Uh, I'm a trained entertainer and voice artist, so... Fantastic at segways. That you, you know what that was. Anyway, segways are weird. <laughs> uh, you know, hey, uh, you know who put that in, a, in their actual tight five? Well, it wasn't me, and it, it was, wasn't you, Tyler. It
0: was Bo Burnham.
1: it's Justin Troy St. Peter. That's oh, that's right.
0: Not true. The funniest like, man. That's just like an outright lie. <laughs>
1: No, you did it. Uh, oh, no, that was just the one time when we were all fucking wasted Yeah, uh, at the Bachelor-Bachelorette party. Because you are like, eh, weird.
0: Justin St. Peter with again, a wiener as long as his mustache.
1: Standing, so. Yeah, I think I can get a pass on that one. Yeah, I'll give you a pass on that
0: one. All right, well, you guys want to... I'll wanna, allow you wanna, it. You want to do the intro? Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll roll it in. McCoy. Hey, right. hi, hello, and
1: welcome. Are, what? Are we, oh, we're we doing the intro?
0: Yeah, we just said. Yeah, yeah, we just said. we Sorry, said, we're just I, my
1: brain glazed over for a second. <laughs> fucking
0: fucking completely... smooth brain. Right, well,
1: I, I, need yeah, you I need you fucking, to crack my brain through that hard glass candy glass shell that you like got on there, Colin. No wrinkles. It was, like a, it was like a jello mold that you put in a dehydrator. What? Okay. <laughs> it's all fucking crusty and smooth. And if you touch it too much, it starts flaking off into pieces, like a nice piece of fish. All right, well, speaking of that,
0: uh, what what we've got coming up next uh, is absolutely nothing to do with that. Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to Worst in the Industry, the show where this commie trio seeks to uncover some of the half-hidden and dust-covered truths about the companies that produce every bit of everything we use on the day-to-day helping to exhibit crimes of the present and forgotten offenses of the past in order to help make a more informed consumer in the future. My name is Justin St. Peter, and when soup is currency, I will be king. To my metaphorical right, I am joined by...
1: Uh, I'm Colin Stanley, and my brain is degrading in real time. Please, please kill me, please kill me, God. To my right is...
0: I, my name is Tyler Zelensky and I...
1: <laughs> and, <laughs> we're just shocked he actually said it this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I thought we were supposed to be honest. Why are you guys being so weird? <laughs> my, name is,
0: my name is Tyler Zelensky and I need help. Someone send help, please.
1: But my name is
0: actually Adolf Hitler Claus. No!
1: You're actually, you're not. You don't need help because Tyler has.
0: (laughs) My name is Adolf Hitler Claus.
1: Adolf Hitler Claus has uh, inadvertently become our fucking resident Nazi expert. God! Two episodes in a row now. Two episodes in Uh, a row and counting. We're gonna. It was a coincidence at first, but we're gonna keep making him do the nazi sec and by the way it's so weird that so many corporations are involved with the nazis right well let tyler so get weird. to it colin don't bring it up that's tyler's thing i'm sorry yeah you, I'm sta- sorry. you fucking scam? are you tyler stepping on my said, work
0: are you stepping on my before, work colin
1: before we started recording tyler said to us hey i don't care what i have to do but I don't want to be the Nazi guy anymore. And when we asked him why he said, I'm worried that one day I'm going to read something Adolf Hitler said and go, wow, that guy has the point.
0: Not saying that I agree with everything he says.
1: I'm just like, how it's listen, man. If you
0: stare into the abyss long enough, the abyss will stare back.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And just because the abyss stares back doesn't mean that you start wearing the same clothes as the Abyss and fucking marching like it. Colin, <laughs> if you
0: spend enough time on conservative Twitter, you'll become a conservative.
1: No, you just start jerking off the Tommy Loren like I do. Okay, yeah, well well Do you know how many times I've contributed Gaynus Owens? We're not gonna do this right now. Less than you uh know.
0: together, the three of I'll us strain the corporatees of the companies all around us to find only the purest nuggets of indignation possible. And today, we are bringing up an oldie but a baddie, a hometown classic, one might say. We are talking about the Ford Pinto, the car that Ford decided cost more to fix than to outright buy a human life. As well as the tactics used by General Motors to ruin the reputation and career of Ralph Nader after his book, Unsafe at Any Speed, brought scrutiny to the Chevrolet Corvair. Before we get to any of that, however, we are going to examine the history of the Ford Motor Company and what created the fiascos that helped bring us the world we live in today. To bring that examination to the fore is our resident accidental Nazi scholar, Tyler Zelinsky. Okay, guys, I'm just going to let you guys know something off the top here. Um, towards the end of this segment, I'm going to be saying the word Jew
1: a lot. Um <laughs> so it's just like a regular Wednesday for us. Is this, this your <laughs> disclaimer?
0: This is my this disclaimer. Is a bad
1: disclaimer. Um, <laughs> this is your I'm not an anti-semite disclaimer and you started with I'm going to start saying Jew a lot. I'm not like, I'm not, not
0: an anti-semite. I don't have a problem with Jewish people. But you know who did?
1: I don't Hen- have a problem with Jewish people. I'm trying to Colin, Jewish I'm Jewish trying to do my Segway. Colonizing them wanting to own land.
0: Colin, and be I'm alive. Trying, trying to do my segue. You know who Sorry. did have a problem with Sorry. Jews? Henry Ford. So he was born in 1863 in Springwell's Township, Michigan, which is now Dearborn, um, which was smack dab in the middle of a little war we were having at the time. Uh, It's called Civil War. I don't know if you guys heard of it. Oh, yeah, that one. Lesser known war. Um, So he grew up on a farm. uh, And when he was in his teens, he got a pocket watch from his dad. By age 15, he was already dismantling and reassembling watches for all his neighbors and friends. He was like the neighborhood watch guy. If you had a problem with your watch, brought to Henry, you know?
1: So he was like like an obsessive child who has like very lightly autistic and he like takes something completely mundane and becomes a ludicrous expert in it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So. His parents were both farmers, uh, but he absolutely hated working on the farm, so he started tinkering with the farming equipment, which is what most people do if they live on a farm and they hate farming, is they that's fix all the shit there.
1: you make the tinkering machines the do it equipment. for that's, you. That's what I, uh, that's what I call, uh, that's what I call it when I wrap the ripcord on the lawnmower around my fucking dick. Tinkering with the, <laughs> the farm equipment. Anyway. Dude, are you Okay. Honestly, man, I'm just trying to come and, uh, you know, get to a certain point. Much like in the David Cronenberg film Crash, I've reached a point in my life where there's it takes a lot. OK, and so you just try more and more extreme things to see what's going to make you squirt. So. In
0: 1876, his mother died. Very sad. And His father expected him to take over the farm work
1: and and just and the role of mother <laughs> he fucking put him in a dress slap some lipstick on it make him fucking put his dick in his mouth
0: <laughs> so he later said quote i never had any particular love for the farm it was the mother on the farm i loved then he started being a machinist in detroit in 1882 he then returned to the farm where he became quite knowledgeable about a westinghouse portable steam engine And then he was hired by Westinghouse to service those steam engines on his off time in his farm workshop. He built a steam wagon or a tractor, Um, but he thought that steam wasn't really suitable for light vehicles because it really wasn't. And the boiler was incredibly dangerous. Um, And he also said, yeah, I know. We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about we'll get to the Pinto. Don't worry. That's a that's a boiler, too. Am I right? Um, But so anyway. He said, also, uh, he did not see the use in experimenting with electricity due to the expense of trolley wires and no storage battery in sight was the weight that was practical. Um, When at the time, actually, electric cars were very common. Uh, They were actually more common than any other type of car at this time, because the only other type of engine you could use realistically was a steam engine, and they were dog shit.
1: I I I just love that, like... People, people like, are, oh, electric cars nowadays, not realizing that the fossil fuel cabal has ruined their lives and the lives of every other human that will ever live on this planet. Well, that, uh, but don't worry, that's a series, on of the fucking way. Yeah, don't, don't We're give away there. too much, Colin, we gotta get to I'm it. I'm building up the fucking juice, I'm building it up! <laughs> so in, in
0: 1885, uh, Henry Ford repaired what was called an auto engine, O-T-T-O engine. It was a very, very early design of a gasoline powered motor. Um, and then in 1887, he built a four stroke model, and the four stroke engine was the thing that made cars much more usable. Because before that, everything was a two-stroke, like a dirt bike or a lawnmower. Those are two-stroke engines. I know. I, uh, don't worry. I'm going to say stroke. Hey, man, I
1: can last a lot longer when it's me and my lawnmower. Yeah, I, I can
0: do more than two strokes. Four-stroke
1: but- <laughs> engine? What, are we inviting somebody to the podcast?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Colin, you absolutely... Oh, man,
1: I just want somebody to fucking kill me so bad. I just just want a home invasion to go bad. Yeah, well, you, you keep it up the way you do, and you'll have four strokes within a year
0: so this this four stroke engine um it had a one inch bore and a three inch stroke which is a very 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 small engine yeah i mean I, uh, you and, I I been, a, and that's i yeah. need you to stop so i really need you to fucking stop dude. so we're gonna put we're gonna put this into perspective that engine is colin's penis one inch bore, three inch stroke right <laughs> And then again, eight- very
1: generous adding two inches.
0: And then in 1890, Ford started to work on a two cylinder engine, not just a one cylinder. He said, In 1892, I completed my first motor car powered by a two cylinder, four horsepower motor, all four horses, baby, with a two and a half oh, inch horses. bore and a six inch stroke, like my penis, which is connected to a countershaft by a belt. And then to the rear wheel by a chain, the belt was shifted by a clutch lever to control speeds at a 10 or 20 miles an hour augmented by a throttle. So at this point, cars that was quite new for a car to have a clutch lever and be able to shift gears while you were actually driving, because before this, when you started your car, your car just went. You put it in gear and it just went. You were either a max of ten miles an hour or a max of twenty miles an hour. You had two gears and there was no neutral. So if you wanted to shift gears, you have to cut the engine, stop, shift into second, and then go.
1: And this was usually with a, a hand crank to power the engine. There was yeah, no yeah. This wasn't starter. like oh,
0: hand you know, crank? yeah.
1: You're getting internet too, Justin. Have you been reading his fucking notes? Come on, come on, guys. Come
0: on. So the. The car actually had 28-inch wire bicycle tires, um, a foot brake, and a three-gallon gas tank. Um, And later, he started putting a water jacket around the cylinders for cooling. And he said, in the spring of 1893, the machine was running to my partial satisfaction and giving an opportunity further to test out the design and material on the road. Between 1895 and 1896, Ford drove this machine about 1,000 miles. Then he started a second car in 1896, and then he built, ended up building three cars in his home workshop. And the funniest thing that I heard about his home workshop was when he completed his first car and it was actually ready to drive. He didn't take into account that the, that the vehicle was bigger than the barn door. <laughs> so he took a sledgehammer and broke the barn door open enough so he could fit the car through it so he could drive it. It
1: just goes to I, I show that to say, as
0: smart th- as you can be, some people just have no fucking common sense.
1: They, they, I remember, I remember in fucking elementary school, because for those of you who don't live in Michigan, in primary school, in public school, they talk about Henry Ford all the fucking Oh, oh my, my God, God. So every much.
0: fucking history teacher had a hard-on for Henry Ford, besides one. one. One of my history teachers didn't, but.
1: I, all of my history teachers go on and on and on and about fucking Henry Ford.
0: No, but they also say, oh, he invented the assembly line. No, he fucking didn't. He did not invent the assembly line. Let's just get that out of the way. Assembly lines have been in use for a long time before Henry Ford. Henry Ford just started making all of his cars use relatively the same parts. So everything was streamlined. That's what he did.
1: And also that, that story that you brought up, the fact that, oh, he built the fucking car and the barn, he had to go break the barn door with a fucking sledgehammer yeah um that story was always told to me like a he was an innovator every time he saw a problem he came up with a solution it's like no he's just a fucking dipshit he's just fucking stupid he's just this fucking goddamn it's, it's a great way to get your uh, your car out of the barn is just fuck up the whole barn you know what he should have done is that he should have just started it while he was you know standing around in there and kept the door closed that would have saved a lot of people a lot of fucking grief
0: so henry ford um after just recently building his cars in 1896 in 1902 he started getting into the car racing business so he built this car for a guy named tom cooper and this was an 80 horsepower race car Which is insane for the time. This car only weighed like 500 pounds and it had 80 horsepower.
1: Damn, that's like 30 pounds of hooves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fucking fast, dude. So he ended up winning the race with this car. Um, And then him and one of his uh, investors, Malcolmson, uh, they formed a partnership called the Ford Malcolmson to manufacture automobiles. And Ford went to work designing an automobile, and then they leased a factory and contracted a machine shop owner whose name you'll probably find familiar, John and Horace Dodge. And they... Dodge, you say? Yeah, Dodge. They supplied over $160,000 in parts, and that's $160,000 in 1902 money.
1: What's it today, money, Tyler? $4,841,469.77.
0: Almost $5 million. So sales at the time were slow. Um, And there was a problem when the Dodge brothers said, hey, uh, we need to get paid. And uh, yeah, they just never paid them. So in 1908, the Model T was debuted, which the Model T was, I think, the fifth or the sixth car that they made. It was like not the first car that they made. They made a lot of models before it. But this was the first one that was pretty affordable and very, very easy to drive and maintained. Um it had the steering wheel on the left side, which every company ended up uh, copying if you're driving on the correct side of the car. I'm talking to you, Europe um, so every company ended up copying this steering wheel on the left side, and then Um, The actual design of the car, the engine and the transmission were enclosed, which is not a very common thing at the time, apparently. Um, And the four cylinders were cast in a solid block and it actually had suspension, which was very odd for the time. Um, And the car was really, really easy to drive. Easy, easy and cheap to repair. Um, It was very, very, very inexpensive for cars at the time. Cost $825 in 1908. Which costs about $23,480 today. Um, oh, it sounds like a Kia. Yeah, no, it's more like a Ford Fusion. Oh, okay. Yeah, like a, like a like mid-level Ford Fusion, you know? So, <laughs> by 1914, six years later, the price kept dropping to around $360. That's about $8,000. Imagine if you could buy a brand new Ford Fusion for $8,000. I... You cannot get literally any brand new vehicle for that price, no these you could days. get like one of those like shitty like uh Asian cars for like eight thousand dollars. They're new, okay. but they're garbage.
1: I will say a lot of sh- quote unquote shitty Asian cars are nice.
0: no, these nice. are horrible. these are horrible they're it's an eight thousand dollar brand new car
1: out of the job yet. keep on born.
0: So now we're going to get to the talk of um, when Henry Ford implemented the five dollars a day wage, which was about double of what every other automotive manufacturer was offering at the time, which is significant. Like, that's that's good, because then people could pay for everything they had. They could buy a Ford car. You know, it was pretty much a win win for everybody. But there was a big stipulation to this five dollars a day. So Ford made this new division at the company and it was called the social department. It was originally about 50 people and then was later increased to about 200 people. These people would come to your house unannounced and question you about your life outside of work. They were they would come to your house, make sure your house was kept clean. They would ask questions that was not very appropriate of a car company. They talked to you about your spending habits, your alcohol consumption, your marital relationships. They asked what you were buying. they check on your children to make sure that you were in school. Women were not eligible for this $5 a day unless they were single and had to support children. Men weren't eligible unless the only work their wives did was in the home. You couldn't have any credit card debt. Your furniture and appliances had to be paid for. Nothing on layaway or credit. If you were over 22, you had to be married. And if you were able to pass all of these requirements by the Ford Gestapo, you would get five dollars a day and be able to buy a Ford car. If you were not, you would receive two dollars and thirty four cents a day and you would not be able to buy a Ford car. So does everyone here? Would we all be able to buy a Ford car? No. No, no. Yeah,
1: I'm not married. Uh. Thank God I don't have kids. Bigger thanks to, to Satan for that one. Uh, I drink like a fish. My house is not clean. Not even a little bit.
0: So, um, Henry Ford reminds me a lot, and I'm not going to name a specific name, but he ran for president in 2016 and won. Reminds me a lot of that guy. Um, because he Gary thinks, Johnson? yeah, yeah, Gary Johnson. So he thinks, totally oh, my God, I run this great big company, right? I know everything. I'm a genius. So before America entered World War One, Henry Ford and a bunch of other rich philanthropist assholes boarded a ship to Europe to try to put an end to World War One.
1: I'm a deal maker. I make all the deals. This war, it's not going to pass. Yeah. It's not going to pass this deal. No, no, me and all my friends, they're going to get on the boat. And it's an ugly boat. It's an ugly boat, but it's huge. It's a huge boat.
0: So surprisingly, this doesn't work. did not work.
1: <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. Oh, I'm sorry. Crazy.
0: What? Yeah, it didn't work.
1: You're, you're telling me that generations of inbred assholes having uh, incredibly complex and convoluted alliances with each other couldn't be stopped? by one vaguely Aspie, fucking shitty goddamn engineer.
0: Yeah. So, there was lots of infighting going on. They all got influenza on the ship <laughs> on the way there. <laughs> so they, just, uh, they, uh. They, they, they fought amongst each other and then got the flu
1: all so they could throw money at other rich people and be like, hey, stop it.
0: Yeah, stop I fighting. I
1: imagine Henry Ford, like, sweating, delirious of fever in his bunk, and he's just imagining, like, a Model T, but, like, anthropomorphized, just sucking him off. Just like... Oh, yeah, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. Daddy you made me, Daddy. You made me so smart. You're so smart, Daddy. Oh, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy.
0: So, um, when Henry Ford came back, uh, he blamed World War One on uh the german jewish bankers what yeah what no nobody would blame world war one on the jews tyler oh don't worry we'll get to that
1: they weren't even involved and they didn't have any control over what happened who would possibly blame
0: them so we're gonna pivot away from from nazis just for a second Just for a brief moment. Just for a brief moment, because we're going to talk about something that happened in between the peace ship and uh, World War II.
1: Is that what they called it? The peace ship? Yeah, it was
0: called the P. I don't fucking know.
1: More like a piece of ship.
0: (laughs) So, uh, when his son, Edsel Ford, was 25, he decided to put his 25-year-old shithead son at the head of Ford Motor Company, and Henry Ford, quote-unquote, retired. (laughs) Retired.
1: air quotes, air quotes.
0: So, then Henry Ford said, I'm going to make a rival business, and I'm going to make a Model T for cheaper than $300. Guess what happened? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Tell me what happened. Henry Ford started
1: a business to undercut his son. Just wait, Justin, it gets worse. I'll
0: feed you, baby bird, don't worry.
1: Fucking open your mouth, Tyler's about to vomit Nazis all down your throat.
0: So. All, pretty much all of the investors in Ford sold off all their stock immediately because they were like, this 25-year-old douchebag is going to be run this fucking company to the ground, right?
1: The narrator voice, they were right.
0: They were right. Actually, they were not right. Henry Ford bought up all the stock, and he became the, the majority voice. shareholder. So he wasn't they the face not. of the company anymore. He had this figurehead 25-year-old dick be in the figurehead and then he just ran all the shit from the shadows that's all that happened he never opened another company he never did anything
1: i feel like fraud yeah i feel like there are fraud easier ways to go about that he committed like capital fucking fraud and they're like the greatest innovator and inventor of his time henry ford he he learned he created new ways to make money like Defrauding investors and <laughs> punishing the Jewish people. That's a pretty
0: good way to make money. I mean, Elon Musk does it all the time. So.
1: Uh, hell. Can't wait for the fucking Musk episode coming for yeah, you. Yeah, we're fucking coming fucking for you. Hairless, so fucking naked mole rat, South African piece of garbage. I'll fucking shit on your chest and I will fuck your wife. So. I love Grimes. I love Grimes. She's hot. It's I'm not usually into into like little petite thin ladies. Grimes does it for me, man. She really does. They're not married, are they? They are. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, they are.
0: So then Henry Ford decided to sponsor a weekly newspaper called the Dearborn Independent, and they published incredibly strong anti-Semitic views. And I'm talking, whoo, boy, real strong. Um, And I don't know about you guys, but I remember having to learn square dancing in public school I also remember well. Tyler and I went to the same public school, so yeah, yeah, I remember doing square dancing. But
1: I, I did not learn how to square dance, but I did learn how to competitively stack cups. Oh yeah, we all. Oh yeah, that. I remember oh. stackems or whatever they're called.
0: Uh, stack stackets, stackers,
1: S- stackers. Is it stack with a Z? Speed, speed
0: stacks, speed, speed stacks. stacks. That's speed. it.
1: Did you guys have you guys seen the video? It's years old at this point. Of like that one Asian girl who's at like. Worlds speed stacker competitive invitational open and she like she does it in like 0.2 seconds and goes oh my god <laughs> <laughs> like throws her hands in the air it's fucking great honestly highly recommend put it in the show notes. so
0: the reason why he funded square dancing in public schools was because he absolutely hated jazz music and not for the reason that most people did at the time not Most for the people. normal racism. Yeah, not for the normal racism. He said it was created by the Jewish people. G- yeah, the, the, fine, the Jews. It was created just call by the, the Jews. The chosen people. All the chosen people. The, chosen just people. People. the I globalists. you imagine? You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll keep it PG, the globalists, all right? The glo- God,
1: oh God damn it, Tyler. Jesus Christ, you're not going to be allowed to do Nazi bits anymore. God damn it. Well, I'm going to have to do that. Listen here, American Patriot. We've got to
0: talk you. about these globalists.
1: I can totally just see Henry Ford's home office
0: being just like the the wall to wall, the Pepe Silvia board from, from It's Always Sunny. And, and it's there's just a big, every, giant red marker that says Jews question oh, mark. Oh, it's <laughs> not even just one. It's a million little ones that just say Jews, Jews, Jews,
1: Jews, Jews, I, Jews, so Jews, The fact that Henry Ford attributes jazz to Jewish people like nowadays, we think that's crazy, right? Like, like we all know. That you know, African Americans, Black people in America, the descendants of slaves for the most part, invented jazz because all the good music in America gets stolen from Black people, all of it. Um, hey, you you like you like Slayer? Uh, guess what? You love Black people because they invented rock and roll. Yeah,
0: listen to uh, a band called Death. Great band.
1: Great band. Great band. Um, but yeah, so we think like to to think of jewish people being associated with jazz is kind of crazy but what you guys need to know is that pre-world war ii pre like nazi party nazi party like like actually running government and whatnot the stereotype for the jew in america for specifically the jewish man it wasn't like the obviously wrong and bigoted image of like the jewish man as some small, infantile weakling. Woody Allen. No. Woody Allen. The, the stereotype <laughs> for the Jewish man was this raw, char- charismatic, sexual dynamo. This this desert savage with a dick longer than his fucking leg that was going to beat the shit out of you and fuck your wife. In fact, uh, at the, around the turn of the century, in New York and other cities that had large Jewish populations, you would see jews pitched in underground boxing matches as like the desert beast and like things like that it was very fucked up but that was the racial stereotype it was that jewish people jewish men were these big fucking virile monsters that were super strong and gonna like cuck you in front of your kids and then you know fascism gets involved and fascism requires the fact that not only are do are the people you're fighting against supremely powerful but also supremely weak that you are at both times the oppressed victim and also superior yeah so that's that's why you see the switch in the stereotype that's so it's weird to think about the jazz thing but it actually makes sense because they did the same thing to black people
0: yep so henry ford was also a really big fan of baseball um but specifically not
1: all racists are
0: not one aspect of it On May 22nd, 1920, he wrote, quote, Oh my god. If the fans wish to know the trouble with American baseball, they have it in three words. Too much Jew.
1: Jesus fucking fucking Christ. Christ. Wasn't Babe Ruth Jewish? I don't know. No, I think he was Italian. I mean, you can be
0: both, but... So, um, in Germany, articles from The Independent were published in four volumes. Uh... And uh, it was called, God damn, how many times do I have to say this really, fucking word?
1: You literally said it so much. You've said it so much. I just before he says it for real on the show, Tyler said this phrase no less than a half dozen times in our warm up.
0: <laughs> I have to say it right. Got
1: me to say it. And now it won't leave my brain. So now it's going to be in all of your brains.
0: So it was called the International Jew, the world's foremost problem.
1: I need you to put some stink on that, all right? Can you? Can you? Can we go back? I want some 1920s. Okay. Yeah, if you're gonna <laughs> use caster fucking accent put on. Well, that. would you look I at? To,
0: okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be re- sorry, sorry. We're gonna be reading the new volume of the International Jew, the world's foremost
1: problem. All right, I need and- a little bit more. I need a little bit more. I need a little bit of just. Oh, Surprise look at me.
0: I, want, I, am, I, want... I am Adolf hitler Claus, and I'm going to need to read you a portion from my favorite book, <laughs> The International Jew, The People World's don't know Foremost Problem. This right
1: before Christmas. It's not topical. Ho, ho, it's not topical ho, we're not, to the
0: camps, we're not, to camps with to... you.
1: Ho, 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 to the camps you go.
0: Ho, 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 to oh, the camps man. you go. Jesus Christ.
1: What would you like for Christmas, little boy? Because what you're getting is I can be! Wow, that was worse than any of the other <laughs> things that we said off the air. Holy fucking shit, Justin. Justin, you're the one who implemented the jar. <laughs> well, yeah, but it still doesn't have anything in right, it, so. Yeah, it's gonna soul. start now that you're starting to do it. Before, it was quirky and fun when Tyler would be anti-Semitic. No, it's but not now, quirky now, now it's gone too far.
0: Colin, he's not just talking about Jews. There's lots of people that died from Zyklon B, okay?
1: The poles, for instance, but they had it coming.
0: Yeah, they, of course they did. They're Polish.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. D- do you know how they? Do you know how they got the poles into the gas chambers?
0: <laughs> they made them walk <laughs> in backwards.
1: Told them they <laughs> were leaving. <laughs> Thanks, Justin. Thank you. <laughs> yes, they told them they were leaving.
0: <laughs> oh God, we're we're incredible.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, I just, I just want to say, in
0: case this makes it into the show, I'm the only non-Polish member
1: don't worry okay Pol- uh, i used I used to have this idea in my mind I used to hold this idea in my mind that like Polish people were one of the one of the greatest unspoken of victims of World War II because everybody talks about you know obviously the Holocaust focusing on the the genocide of the Jewish people of uh travelers within Europe, you know the Romani and whatnot and the other ethnic groups associated with them. disabled people gay people people don't talk about the polls a lot and for the longest time i was like wow is it because like they just don't care because the polish people are truly the most oppressed class uh but no it's it's because they had it coming and everybody agreed yeah so and i agree
0: so everyone's uh favorite everyone's favorite other nazi heinrich Himmler. one living
1: pole is too many
0: everyone's other favorite nazi heinrich (laughs) himmler (laughs) Called Ford, quote, one of our most valuable, important, and witty fighters. In Mein Kampf, Adolf Hitler wrote, quote, only from a single man, Ford, who, to the Jew's fury, still maintains full (laughs) independence from the controlling masters of the producers in a nation of 120 million.
1: Can I get that as an epithet? It's like, Colin Stanley, to the Jews' fury. Just <laughs> That sounds like a fucking badass metal album. To the Jews'
0: Colin fury. Colin Stanley, to the Jews' fury.
1: Dude, I would love... I would <laughs> Sounds love like a sequel. All, I would love an all-Jewish, anti-Zionist, fucking, like, thrash metal band that's like, to the Jews' fury! And, like, they take pieces of Nazi propaganda and turn them around to make like make the point that like yeah yeah you should be afraid of us we we are in control we will fucking kill you <laughs> like i just want that i want that so bad oh my god i would rock out so hard go to one of those fucking concerts i'd wear a fucking Yamiko with a pentagram on it that'd be sick so in
0: 1931 hitler spoke to a detroit news reporter and said <laughs> that he regarded ford as his inspiration explaining his reason for keeping ford's life-size portrait next to his desk <laughs> and the the whole <laughs> was life-size uh, it was a life-size like headshot oh okay portrait. i was gonna say dude they just not like just a full in, like, body a portrait him next to his, on his desk no Holy if he shit, did I'm, I'm i am sure he's shot all over that fucking portrait oh you know ago. you know hitler is kissing that portrait Oh, come, come here, Mister Fort. Come here let me give you a kiss.
1: Oh, oh, fuck! Oh, oh, oh Henri. 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 Henri!
0: No, don't say it like that. I, just, I keep thinking of Jess's hamster.
1: Well, stop thinking of the hamster. Oh, big, I don't want, I don't want big to think fucking of bald
0: Enri. Yeah,
1: the fucking yeah, the giant balls on that fucking hamster. I, uh, I just, I, I, I do want to say, fun fact, guys. Uh, I did look this up. I did verify this. This is a true fact. Uh, T R U F A X. True facts. Uh, that. Hitler was actually oh, the third most anti-Semitic person that the Detroit reporter had spoken to that day.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the first being himself as he was getting ready for work and his boss earlier, later that day.
0: So, also in the newspaper, <laughs> they ran everyone's favorite pamphlet, The Protocols of the Elders of Zion.
1: Oh, boy. I thought you were going to say The Joy of Cooking.
0: No, no, Protocols of the Elders of Zion.
1: Oh, it's not an application for space camp?
0: No, it's Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Which You're
1: are... telling me that it wasn't?
0: Uh... No, it was Protocols of the Elders of Zion.
1: Protocols of the Elders of Zion, I-Z-I-C-I-C.
0: So, now we're going to get into uh, the Ford anti-union activity. Ford was incredibly anti-union, and he had a really stupid fucking reason for this.
1: But, Tyler, I thought the Nazis were socialists.
0: We're not getting into this.
1: Oh, oh, I will be, though.
0: So the reason why he claimed he was anti-union is he said, hey, if you guys are locked into a union contract for a certain amount of pay, I can't pay you more than that. What a fucking savior. God,
1: right? Henry Ford, the man notorious for wanting to pay more for
0: things. Yeah. So to forestall union activity he hired a man named Harry Bennett he was a formal naval boxer to the head of the Oh so
1: he so he just you know he treats a guy's dick like a speed bag while he's sucking it yep
0: so he got promoted to the head of the service department and he just Made so many intimidation tactics to quash union organizing. On March 7, 1932, during the Great Depression, unemployed Detroit auto workers staged the Ford Hunger March to the Ford River Rouge complex, to present 14 demands to Henry Ford. The Dearborn police and Ford security guards opened fire on the workers, leading to over 60 injuries and in five deaths. On May 26, 1937, Bennett's security men Beat the shit out of members of the UAW, including Walter Ruther, who was the head of the UAW with clubs. And while Bennett's men were beating the shit out of these UAW representatives, the supervising police chief on the scene, whose name was Carl Brooks, who used to work under Bennett at Ford, didn't give any orders to get in between this. In the following day photographs of the injured UAW workers appeared in newspapers and later it became known as the Battle of the Overpass and I would suggest you guys look that up cuz it's fucking nuts.
1: I think we could probably put that in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. Throw that in the show. We'll
0: we'll send a link in there. Yeah. I,
1: I would like to mention uh Tyler you said the police chief he didn't do anything yeah. while the, while these while these union members were being beat up. But don't the police also have a union?
0: Yeah, which side are you on, boys?
1: What? It's it's so weird that, you know, the police have a union, but they don't support another union. Uh, people say the Nazis were socialists, but they don't support, you know, labor. Uh, it's so weird. It's almost like it's a load of bullshit nope. that I'm going to nope. talk about. Colin, you better you better quit swinging that hammer or else you're going to hit the nail right on the head. I'm going to hit my penis right on the head. Uh, and by that, I mean, I'm going to get so fucking angry. I'm going to saw my own dick off.
0: Yep. And I'm also going to I'm going to throw this in now. Uh, there's a wonderful book I would suggest everybody to read called Hitler's American Friends. Uh, great book it has a lot about Ford in it. A lot about a lot of other companies that were uh, very cozy with the Nazis. So I would suggest
1: like a bunch it. of presidents.
0: Yeah, uh, everybody.
1: The Bush family, literally the whole Bush family.
0: All right. Well, that's all I got.
1: Ugh. so. All
0: right. We're going to pivot over to uh, our wonderful, wonderful friend, our wonderful friend, Colin Stanley, and he's going to talk a little bit about the pinto. I mean, I didn't know you were such a big fan of burritos. All okay, right.
1: Clearly, if, if you've seen a picture of me, you know, I am a huge fan of burritos.
0: I mean, I love burritos, too, and you've seen me.
1: Yeah. And actually, here's the thing. not I don't like black beans, so I do always get pinto beans in my burritos. I don't get oh, any same. beans.
0: Not a big fan of beans. So-
1: this segment i'm i used to not be but then you know i be i you know i turned five so
0: why Uh, why would i add something that doesn't add any flavor
1: uh you're eating the wrong beans no no
0: beans taste like anything they all taste like shit
1: and also yeah, it's, it's a textural you eat the thing. Wrong beans.
0: No, it doesn't matter what type of beans. They all taste like nothing.
1: You eat Justin's red beans and rice and then you shut the fuck up.
0: That's right? that's not just beans though. That has f- fucking spices and sausage Bitch, in it.
1: Bitch, do you think you're just boiling beans and slapping them in That's what
0: they put burrito? in burritos. You
1: season them. No. They, you
0: season the beans. Name one place that does.
1: Moe's, Southwest, Grill. Okay, where's right? the
0: nearest Moe's, Colin?
1: Oh you. There's one in the, in the in the OC at OU. I'm not going to here. a
0: college campus to get a shitty burrito.
1: It's They season the beans at Chipotle, Tyler. They also do season the beans at Chipotle and Qdoba.
0: Nah, not worth it. I'd rather just not have them. I don't want filler. Just pussy. get double protein, my boy. Fuck See, that. But
1: the problem is you're eating burritos for the wrong reason. You're eating burritos as like a fucking pre-workout. I'm eating burritos so that I can get hammered and not die.
0: Yeah, that's what I do too. I just don't put the shitty fucking tasting beans in it.
1: Alright, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. There's going to be the whole podcast. Fucking asshole. Let us start on. Beans! You're making me so upset. You know, I was okay with all the anti-Semitic tropes that you were talking about, but you maligned the Pinto Bean and you've fucking gone too far.
0: I think the Pinto Bean is worse than the Ford Pinto.
1: You know what I You get the I fuck think? out! In 1969, the <laughs> Ford Pinto went into production. <laughs> 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 you know what I think? 1968 all right that's the year the ford uh, the ford pinto had just started production uh the december previous 1968 the year my mother was born
0: the year uh led zeppelin 2 came out
1: Year led zeppelin 2 love some zep i love getting the Led out
0: hold on i'm gonna fact check that just to make sure we don't cut that out after. I don't fuck you.
1: <laughs> I don't give a shit. Oh fuck yeah, uh, ni- uh, 1968. Uh I oh, was album. 1969. Pinto. Oh my god. Oh my god. All right. So uh I'm not going to start with production the, the the Pinto, okay? I'm going to start with uh a unfortunately beloved and famous figure within the automotive industry, Lee Iacocca, aka Lito Anthony Iacocca.
0: Hey, Lito Anthony Iacocca. Hey, I, I'd oh. buy a spaghetti from that guy. I'd buy some spaghetti from that guy. It's fucking
1: racist. You guys are anti Italian. Fine, I'll buy some meatballs. <laughs> okay, we're cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what, am I not allowed to malign the Italian on this podcast? I hey, was unaware. The amount of, the I, amount I, of I, racial slurs used against the Italians. Yeah, Why you warmed you up by this screaming on a on daily racial basis.
1: so here's the thing guys here's the thing audience uh every time italian people or even a specific person who might be italian is brought up uh the interrogation scene from true romance plays in my head so i can't i can't not say something but i'm going to try my best for you the viewers the listeners
0: our wonderful listeners we all appreciate you and love you
1: and fucking suck my dick and die. I don't really care.
0: Colin, we have to make people keep listening to this.
1: It's fine. It's fine. You just neg them. You gotta neg them. I read it in The Art of the Deal. Hey, if you guys
0: don't fucking listen, I'm gonna come to your house
1: you, okay that uh, that's actually that we might get in legal trouble if you wait no well you know we're incorporated fuck you fuck oh you. we, we need to Nothing file matters.
0: we need to file for that like you know, so ASAP. You say we're
1: not we're not incorporated yet Colin. all right well we will be soon bitches and when we are you won't be able to do anything about it
0: yeah come for us bitch come bring it on nestle i don't care
1: hey you come for the king you best not miss bitch anyway <laughs> so
0: 1968
1: 1924.
0: Oh God, 1920.
1: 1924. 1924. Lee Iacocca was born in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Uh, Lee Iacocca, like most pieces of garbage who exist within, uh, you know, huge conglomerates, uh, was an engineer. If you've ever met anybody who's an engineer, you know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. They're the worst. They're the scum of the fucking earth. The only people worse than them are politicians and financial advisors. <laughs> so in 1945. Uh, Lee Iacocca, who was the son of an Italian immigrant, graduated from Lehigh University in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania uh, in 1945, received a master's degree in engineering from Princeton in 1946, and then was very soon after hired as an engineer by the Ford Motor Company, uh, but also, like a lot of scumbags, realized that he was at heart a salesperson, and by 1960, he became the general manager of the Ford division and a vice president of the company, which, if you're familiar with corporate structure, basically, uh anytime you get to be an asshole to anybody uh they just give you the title of vice president. There's like a million fucking vice presidents at every goddamn company. Yep. Yep. Uh by 1970, he would be the president of Ford. But eventually he would get dismissed. Production of the Ford Pinto started in late te- late 1967, early 1968. Basically, we were entering a a time in the automotive industry Where making cars smaller was actually a a good thing. Like people wanted small, compact cars because they didn't have large homes necessarily. Um, You know, the 60s and 70s were a period of economic turmoil. So people didn't have the big, sprawling fucking estates that you could buy working as a fucking soda jerk in the 1950s, right? You know, reality and capitalism were catching up with people. So production of the Pinto began. Uh, Its entire production cycle would would last about 25 months at the time. uh, The production cycle of a car was about 43 months. So they were literally cutting it in half to rush it out. Because Lee Iacocca, in a bunch of internal memos, had stated that two things were going to be true about the Pinto above all else. It would not weigh an ounce over 2,000 pounds. It would not cost a cent. Over two thousand dollars, and on top of that, by God, was it going to fucking come out in 1970? You piece of shit! You piece of shit! It's coming out in 1970. You piece of shit!
0: You absolute cuck! It's coming out in
1: 1970. So we have company documents from Ford that during this production cycle, they'd crash tested the Pinto nearly 50 times, and that literally every test. Where the speed of the Pinto was over twenty-five miles per hour, the gas tank would rupture.
0: Eh. Eh. You know it happens.
1: Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. The the thing that's just you know like a pipe, like a a fucking pipe bomb the size of a large dog. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine that that's the thing that keeps cracking up. Yeah.
0: Full gas tanks are heavy. That's like at least five or six dead dogs. <laughs>
1: Jesus Christ. So uh, the engineers at Ford, they spitballed a ton of solutions, right? So they they talked about, you know, adding a nylon bladder to like line the fuel tank. So if the fuel tank cracks, the bladder's there, it won't spill out because the the bladder wouldn't rip. It would just flex with the pressure. Uh, They also talked about uh, adding a structural protection to the rear of the car. Uh, Or even placing just like a little thin piece of plastic called a baffle between the fuel tank and the housing. If they had done all of these things together, it would have cost, at that point, about $13.20. Maybe a little bit less. Yeah, that depending.
0: that baffle is now a requirement in every car.
1: Yeah, you're going to see why in about two fucking minutes. Yeah. So all of them together would have been about $13.20. But tests with just the baffle, baffle had proven, when the baffle was in place... The gas tank would not be punctured. The baffle costed a dollar, in today's money, probably like two dollars two twenty-five. Lee Iacocca basically said, with his decisions that we're about to go over, that two dollars and twenty-five cents is the cost of a human life. That's how much your life is worth to the Ford Motor Company and Lee Iacocca specifically, who. Died a beloved man. People love Lee Iacocca. If you're from a community that builds cars, people fucking love
0: him. Do we happen to know where he's buried by any chance?
1: Uh, he died in Bel Air in California, so I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, we'll find pla- that public. Plane we'll tickets are cheap. Plane tickets are cheap. Plane tickets are super cheap right now. Put on a mask. Go go piss on Lee Iacocca's grave. Yeah,
0: if you live in California, go find it. Piss on his grave. You know what? Leave $2.43 on his grave, actually.
1: Spare <laughs> compensation. Co- cover cover tax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cover tax on the baffle. You fucking piece of shit. Fucking pieces. So, that's... I just want to... I'm sorry. Brief aside. Fucking... How come every time somebody is like an, an innate, consummate monster, they live for fucking ever? Lee Iacocca is gonna outlive me. Like, I will die within 10 to 15 years and he lived to be almost fucking 100
0: yeah dude i swear to god cancer only kills good people
1: seriously jesus fucking Christ.
0: if cancer only killed bad people nobody would have an issue with it yeah everyone would be like eh, you know it happens if you're a shitty person you get it
1: so we're gonna get into some pretty uh some pretty gruesome descriptions of uh car crashes. So if that's a thing for you, I'd recommend uh tune out right now. Uh go listen to something else. Maybe play uh Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Uh we're not spo- we're not sponsored, but uh we probably will have an episode about the game industry and crunch and things like that. Yeah. Okay. Alright. Fuck. Alright, here we go. So in nineteen seventy two on a California freeway. A Ford Pinto, driven by Lily Gray, stalls just as she enters the merch lane. The car that rear-ended her was only traveling about 30 miles per hour. If you've ever been in a car accident, you know it's an extremely low-risk, survivable crash. I've been in multiple crashes like that myself. But as you know, the placement of the gas tank, which was way too close to the housing on one side and the bumper on the other, caused... Pinto's gas tank to rupture, which released gasoline vapors within the cabin, and a spark caused by the crumpling metal and assembled mechanics ignited the mixture, and the Pinto exploded in a ball of fire. Gray died a few hours later.
0: Oh, fuck. She survived for hours after that. For hours. Oh, God. For hours. Do you know how hot
1: gasoline fumes burn? Very
0: very 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 hot very do you
1: also know that when a car is set on fire especially from the inside that oftentimes the car doors can't be opened yeah because the heat quickly grafts them to the chassis
0: yep and also you got to keep in mind if the cabin of the car filled up with gas fumes and then ignited that got rid of all of the oxygen in the air so when she tried to breathe she was breathing in fire.
1: And even more unfortunately, unfor- she wasn't alone in the car. Her passenger, 13-year-old Richard Grimshaw... Oh,
0: God, 13.
1: 13 years old. Fucking kid. It's a fucking kid. He would suffer burns so disfiguring that he would have to endure dozens of surgeons. They had to graft a new ear... And a new nose using the few unscarred pieces of skin left on his body.
0: God damn it. For two dollars.
1: Two fucking dollars.
0: Fucking horrific.
1: Now. Grimshaw, v. Ford Motor Company, as it would become known was an an enormous case i would hope so and ford would actually end up settling it was impossible to acknowledge that they didn't do something wrong they would end up paying 127.8 million in total damages 125 million in punitive damages 2.8 million dollars in compens oh my god i can't fucking read compensatory damage to passenger richard grimshaw and just over a half million dollars in damages to the family of the deceased driver. Lily
0: So they paid almost 30 million dollars in damages. no, no,
1: no, 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 no. They paid over 350 million dollars.
0: In damages to the government. But then only like three million dollars to the people affected by it. And especially that fucking 13-year-old that got completely disfigured in the fire. That won't even fucking touch the medical bills that that kid is going to have to go through for the rest of his fucking life because of that. So
1: in 1978, six years after the Grimshaw accident, three teenage girls were in a pinto in Osceola, Indiana. Osceola? Also the county referenced in uh our Nestle episode. Hey. hey, we steal a lot of we steal a lot of names from the uh the oh. folks. Hey! folks. So <sighs> nineteen seventy-eight. They were in the Pinto. A nineteen seventy-three Pinto. So a year it was it was produced a year after the one that had killed uh Lily Gray and horrifically disfigured. Richard Grimshaw. It's, I'm sorry, it, this is hard shit to read. No, it is. Yeah, dude, it's, it's, it's rough subject matter.
0: And it's, it's especially rough just because, like, of how preventable it was.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and the negligence of this company knowing that this would happen.
1: Yeah. So, three teenage girls in a 1973 pinto and they get rented. So, apparently, driver of the car stopped in the road because they just filled up the tank with gas and they'd left the gas tap gas cap on top of the car it had fallen off after they started driving cuz they forgot about it. while the car was stopped a Chevy van struck them from behind much like the same crash 6 years prior gas fumes filled the cabin of the car quickly ignited and roasted these three girls in their skin alive.
0: Jesus fucking Christ!
1: Now, the state of Indiana was prosecuting this, so it wasn't a uh, civil suit or
0: or a federal suit. People. It was a it was a state suit. Then
1: it's a state yeah. suit, uh, and they were they weren't charging them with you know negligence. They were charging them with reckless homicide, three counts wow. of reckless homicide. Wow, good. Now, if they were convicted, Ford would face a maximum fine of $30,000.
0: Oh, my fucking God. It's a fine. It's just a fine. Are you shitting me?
1: Nope. Nope.
0: God damn.
1: So James F. Neal was uh, the head of Ford's legal defense. Just a fucking piece of garbage. Much like Lee Iacocca. He's a guy whose entire professional career. Was built around being a scumbag, but technically, legally okay a little bit. So, to oppose this $30,000 fine for the horrific death of three children, Ford furnished James F. Neal with a staff of 80 and a budget of a million dollars. They gave him a million dollars and 80 people to do everything he needed to avoid paying thirty thousand dollars for something they knew could happen and had happened many times and we're going to talk about how many in a second. well because if
0: they admitted fault here and paid that thirty thousand dollars then they would have been required to fix every pint
1: and more so there'd be a precedent set for them paying for the people who died yeah and again we're gonna get into how many that was and why they did avoid it So Osceola is in Elkhart County, the prosecuting attorney who was facing off against James F. Neal and his literal army of staffers had a budget of $20,000, and his staff consisted of volunteer law professors and law students. Ford had somehow gotten a previous head of the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration to testify as a uh, expert witness on Ford's behalf. And he said the Pinto's design was quote unquote, no more or less safe than any, uh, than that of any other car in its class.
0: (laughs) Yeah, sure. In
1: 1980, Ford was found not guilty. And in 1980, a civil suit was settled for $7,500 for each plaintiff.
0: $70,000, $70,000. And like,
1: no, 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 not seventy thousand dollars. Seventy five hundred.
0: Oh my god.
1: Seven thousand five hundred.
0: Like I, I don't think that when companies, you know, if somebody dies because of a company, like just giving them money solves the problem. I really don't think that's a good way of of making things better. But it does help, and that shows that they just don't give a single ounce of a shit about anything.
1: The fact that this was so hard fought for them, the fact that that is so disgusting, is because they had, within Ford's Environmental and Safety Engineering Division, ironically fucking named, they developed a cost-benefit analysis that they titled Fatalities Associated with Crash-Induced Fuel Leakage and Fires. It would eventually become known as the grush sondy Report, named for the, the, the two authors of it and then would eventually become known as the Pinto Memo, when it would eventually be released to the public. Basically, what that boiled down to was that the cost of uh, paying for injuries and deaths related to the fires, and either the recall or repair of all Pintos still on the road, would be too much money. It wasn't worth it. And that it would be easier for them to just pay people as they as they had their lives destroyed, that it would be to recall and fix or fix their cars, which again, in production, a two dollar fucking part. So they knew about this the whole fucking time. They knew about it, and they didn't care. Mother Jones, um, which lately has become more of a liberal magazine as opposed to the socialist it's named. For. That is my leftist discourse talking point for the day. Yeah, the the only one uh claimed that somewhere between 500 and 900 people had died in fires because of the Pinto 5 to 900 and when you put that into perspective right that would have meant that they if 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 it was consistent from what they were being charged in the Indiana versus Ford Motor Company case they were they were being Find ten thousand dollars per victim in a reckless homicide suit so they decided that they would rather pay tens of millions of dollars in fines and fees associated with court cases than allow for something like 50 to 90 million dollars get up and again I will say, they ended up paying $250 million in the Grimshaw case.
0: Yeah, because that makes sense.
1: Well, because recalling things not only would look bad for the company, but would also cost them a lot of money, and they'd have to halt production.
0: Which would cost even more
1: money. Exactly. So it's just easier to let people die.
0: Yeah, it's e- way easier to let people it's die. It's
1: way easier to let people die. Now, the National Highway Traffic uh, and Safety Administration had been Calling for a recall or ha- had been investigating the idea of a recall since 1974. And right before they were going to require Ford to have a recall, Ford did the recall themselves. Right before the federal government said, We're going to have to step in because you're just killing so many fucking people, they did it on their
0: own. Oh, they're so great.
1: Oh, look how Lee kind. Iacocca is president of Ford until 1978. And in 1978, the Pinto is recalled. just going to quietly draw a line here that no one else can see. Yeah, so... Uh...
0: See, this is why, everybody... I'm not going to go ahead and outright suggest violence, but I am going to point something out. Six hundred dollars is enough to build a guillotine, if you have all your own tools.
1: Hey, six hundred dollars will buy you a shitty twelve gauge shotgun.
0: I'll buy you a, a at least a, it'll buy you a working twelve gauge.
1: Buy a decent. Yeah, you get one gauge. for like three hundred bucks. You buy some ammo. You could
0: buy a thirty out six rifle for six hundred dollars. Maybe you you have a fucking have Browning Auto Five for less buy than six hundred. Like
1: you know, a plate carrier. Yeah, maybe, maybe depends. You- you don't get it on the cheap. yeah you right, might not be able not to get the plates for
0: it but you'll at least be able to get a plate carrier and a gun for it
1: this is, this you is you know, not going I'm the not show. I'm not implying anything I'm not saying you should do any actions but i am saying that these are the cost of things
0: yeah we're just you know this is worst in the cost podcast're we
1: just saying numbers we're just saying numbers right now
0: yeah, this is, uh, this is our Fast new podcast, question. Best in the Cost Podcast.
1: Best, <laughs> best in the Cost, cost Podcast. Well, I just like it gonna... a lot better than Best Holes in the Industry. Best Holes in the Industry? Oh my god, Best Holes in the Industry, <laughs> it's still happening. No, it's not. Acting like it's not going to happen? Because it's a terrible fucking idea. It's a great idea, you just have a bad brain. Listeners. Nobody Listeners. wants to watch us or listen to us. Talk about porn stars. Okay, listeners,
0: listeners, I'm going to need need you guys to do us a favor. Once these come out, we do have an email. Drop a fucking comment down in the chat. No, we have a, a no, 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 no. we're going to get receipts. We have an email set up. Uh, It's worstintheindustrypod at gmail.com. If you guys want to see us review porn, and it's called Best Holes in the Industry, uh, send us an email.
1: It's it's not just going to be a review of porn, right? All right, It's going to be an analysis. It's going to be an in-depth
0: critique. Yeah, we're going to go into the plot right. and the plot holes, it's, potentially. It,
1: if you like Roger Ebert reviewing films, you will love us reviewing porn. God, I hate this show.
0: And Justin I will promise. begrudgingly be there. No, I will not. I will not. All right, it's just a me we're and Colin gonna- thing, then.
1: You Even guys can go ahead we'll and go into your gross little jerk off counter. we're going to buy a blow up doll and paint a goatee on.
0: Yeah. Oh <laughs> God.
1: You you guys
0: you guys go into your little jerk off corner and I will put up the curtains and hose you say down afterwards. Little jerk
1: off corner like you don't have an office built for masturbating. No, I have an office
0: built for work that I happen to masturbate in. Actually, my office is mostly built for smoking weed. Fair, that's not, not that's even kidding. Yeah, it is. Ju- you, know to that. Yeah, brain, you know what?
1: Dude.
0: You know what? Hard take of of a uh, worst in the industry podcast. Smoking weed is just masturbating for your brain.
1: Also, it's good, and you should do it all the time, especially when you're driving or breastfeeding. If you do both at the same time, it
0: is called weed whacking. No hijacking. No disappointing my mother.
1: <laughs> zings! You get the zings here at worst in the industry podcast. You like, I stole that joke from Tumblr. You, you uh. I know you did. I fucking know you. did. Yeah, everyone else knows.
0: What do you? What do you? Do, do you tell your mom when you're jerking off? Do you like send her a text or something?
1: Yeah. Don't you? Don't Don't you call your mom and then like leave her on speaker? Tyler, you know Terry like, like I do. Yeah, I mean like you do because I don't do that. That'd be creepy. That'd be weird. I have a great relationship with my mother.
0: Well, speaking of great relationships with uh, subject matter,
1: do you have anything I haven't else? I've spoken to the bitch in two years. Anything yeah, else to I feel say like on a free this man. God damn it, Colin! Back to the Pinto. <laughs> yeah, back to the back Pinto. To, sorry. No, we're done with the Pinto. Oh, that's okay, it? cool. cool.
0: Then I am going to go ahead and pivot to my uh, my brief little last segment here, uh, where we are going to talk about another controversial vehicle of the 20th century: the Chevrolet Corvair. Beautiful car. Oh my kind God! Of. It's beautiful
1: oh. car. Beautiful car. Oh my God! I love a, a Chevrolet Corvair. It's a great looking car. Oh my car. God! No. No wrong, nothing bad could come from the Chevrolet Corvette. i tell you that much.
0: Not to sound disappointed that a corporation didn't do something horrific and amoral by sending a dangerously under-engineered vehicle into production and sale, but that would have made a much more impactful segment. Instead, we get to talk a little bit about the campaign of harassment and surveillance that Ralph Nader was subjected to after the publication of his book, Unsafe at Any Speed.
1: Our boy! What did they do to our
0: boy? They massacred the career of my boy. Ralph Nader's
1: never done anything wrong. He's always been on the right side of history. He has perfect opinions, perfect ideas, and he should have been president. Uh, yep,
0: we really missed the boat in 2000.
1: We really fucked it up. Hey, thanks, America. You really fucked this one up. All right, uh, to quote the opinion placed by the New York Court of Appeals in
0: 1970, General Motors, one, conducted a series of interviews with acquaintances of the plaintiff, Questioning them about and casting aspersions upon his political, social, racial, and religious views, his integrity, his sexual proclivities and inclinations, his personal habits. They kept him under uh, private surveillance in public places for an unreasonable length of time. Note that there is, in the legal sense, a reasonable length of time to be under surveillance. We're going to talk about that. Uh, three caused him to be accosted by girls for the purpose of entrapping him into illicit relationships. We're also going to be talking about the Honey Pots because apparently the things, the things that attract Ralph Nader, absolutely no one would have guessed. All right, give me give me a nice little disclaimer beforehand, just because I'll need to take my pants off beforehand.
1: You you, know, you slide them pants off. I do want to
0: say. All right, all right. I uh, take my pants off right real <laughs> quick.
1: Every, every time, every time they talk about Ralph, Ralph Nader's sexual proclivities and how they like tried to like honeypot him for like years and years and years and years. Um, I just imagine that when he has to testify about his, his sexual interests, he just sounds like, like fucking Andrew Dice Clay telling a dickory dickory doc. He's just like "Dickery doc. There once was a man from Nantucket. She pulled out a twat and I fucked it. Like that's, (laughs) that's that's what i imagine ralph nader i know that's zero zero oh absolutely zero, they one. they he asked what ralph nader's like.
0: sexual proclivities were and the
1: answer was none
0: they asked him that in court boys
1: boys 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 hot and heavy big b- fat bottomed boys i love a fat bottomed boy i put him on my knee a pecker. peckle a his pecker with my big old catcher's mitt hands i'm ralph nader and i'm here to tell you i suck a. up we're talking about ralph nader asshole.
0: not j edgar hoover
1: um, four, made threatening,
0: harassing, and obnoxious telephone calls to him. Five, tapped his telephone and eavesdropped by means of a mechanical and electronic equipment on his private conversations with others. And six, conducted a continuing and harassing investigation of him. So they asked whether or not he was gay, whether he was into any kinky shit, whether he was anti-Semitic, or particularly a member of any left-wing groups, as this was the height of COINTELPRO. ooh hoo,
1: hoo COINTELPRO! Um, Operation Chaos. Operation Gladio. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk about it. And by we're going to talk about it, I mean, I'm going to mumble about it in a public library. What do you mean going to? You already have several times. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Colin's going to be at a bus stop near you. This is going to be our tour if we ever do live shows. Um, it's just going to be Colin at bus stops with a water bottle full of sangria, just absolutely screaming about everything that's on his mind.
1: <laughs> I just I do want to say, do you know how hard it's been for me? after quarantine to go into work and avoid talking about all of this shit that's just percolating in my brain. Just like, I can't talk about like anything because my brain is constantly like serial killer, serial killer, conspiracy theory, leftist uh, oppression, right-wing propaganda, serial killer, serial killer, serial killer. Like I can't, I can't talk to people anymore. And it's beginning to actually damage my, like, financial and social prospects in life. Well, that's why we do the show. Uh, yeah. It's also so you drink all this fucking sangria and write it off. You are gonna do that anyways. Well, but I get to write it off now, because it's part of the show.
0: Well, uh, in any case, speaking... <laughs> speaking of, uh... Government agents, I guess, I don't know, I'm trying to springboard off a leftist whatever. Uh, the campaign of harassment was carried out as alleged by a 1970 New York Times article by a former FBI agent named Vincent Gillen, uh, also spelled Gullen online. Uh, I have seen it G-U-I-L-L-E-N, G-I-L-L-E-N, G-U-L-L-E-N. It's a lot of different ways to spell this schmuck's name.
1: Uh, wait, 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 I'm sorry. Can you, can you repeat his last name again? I'm sorry, this is not a bit. I'm serious. <laughs> Vince, Vincent Gillen. Okay, because... <sighs> There's there was a British spy with a very similar last name during the Cold War.
0: No, no, this guy was a it was an
1: FBI agent. He so actually he could, have he, been outed, a, he, he could have been a British plant. He could have, but he outed himself
0: as an FBI agent after the uh, investigation. Actually,
1: oh, what did he do? Beat his wife in public? No, he he would his own FBI documents. Fucking idiot! Fucking dumb idiot! <laughs> For some fucking reason, yeah, um, fucking loser.
0: Now, I'm, I'm um, so,
1: I even even. Federal cops are fucking stupid cops. Yeah. Now,
0: this is to say that we do have evidence that this man went and conducted these wiretaps, these interrogations of Nader's personal relations, his friends, his family, his you know, romantic interests. Um, we know that they wiretapped his house. We know that they harassed his family with phone calls and his friends. Um, however, what we don't know for absolute certain... Uh, is that uh, Nader was approached several times uh, by, by honeypots, or as he refers to them, sex lures. Uh, in, in short, uh, attractive young woman who attempted to get him alone, uh, one of them asking him for help with moving furniture, and the other, as Ralph Nader claims, asking him to come up to her apartment to discuss foreign policy. Oh.
1: <laughs> honestly, honestly, if, a, if, if I was single, and a woman did that to me, I would go. and it's That's that's just enough to get me Colin,
0: that's how you end up in fucking jail.
1: Yeah, we're murdered, Colin. My girlfriend was actually not attracted to me because of my politics, but because I was smoking in my dating profile picture. I'm gonna fucking just...
0: Yeah, we'll put a pin in that. One of these
1: days, Colin, you're... I totally lost my train of thought in the middle of it. Yeah, sense. you did, didn't you? you anyway, back to anyway, the question. Every, every time I hear the phrase sex lures, all I can think about is a big shiny metal fish with ladies' legs.
0: Oh, uh, no, I remember. So uh, this woman's cold open, by the way. This was a cold open. They were at the candy <laughs> bar of a department store, and she just goes, hey, you going to talk about foreign policy? And, like, he thought
1: about it. Yeah, of course. Of course. You're like, oh, you want to talk about Israel? You want to talk about Pakistan? We can talk about Iran. Dude, you're going to get pulled into an apartment someday where someone's going to be like, you want to talk about about foreign policy and then you're going to get fucking murdered. Yeah, but I mean Colin, Colin. It was either I was going to get murdered or I was going to murder myself.
0: Colin, this is exactly (laughs) if someone walked up to you on the street and was like, hey, do you know anywhere I can get some LSD or some psilocybin mushrooms
1: yeah i'll be like yeah how much money you got
0: yeah Colin, tell you end up in jail
1: no 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 no. because i could smell a cop a mile away this guy's been a cop. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he has, yeah he has to I tell asked me him if he's a cop he has to tell me yeah to tell me
1: yes yeah. you have to tell me if you're a cop you have to tell me you're a cop um now i i honestly cannot
0: decide what is funnier to me the the idea that ralph nader is making up the honey pots and claims a woman tempted him with a discussion on foreign policy. Or if Vince Galen with his FBI experience actually found out what got Nader going and paid a woman to attempt to seduce him via the same subject.
1: I do think it is the latter. The my per not the opinion of the podcast, but Colin Stanley's personal opinion, stamp my face on the fucking label, is that the FBI was that stupid. Because at the end of the day, they're fucking pigs. Like, what do they know? Come oh on. yeah.
0: Yep, yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh now.
0: This harassment, to be perfectly clear, did begin immediately after the publication of Unsafe at Any Speed, and was a direct result of the opening chapter of the book making the claims of the dangers of the swing axle suspension used in the Corvair. Now, this is a massive corporation taking organized, expensive, and measured steps to ruin the personal, romantic, and professional life of a detractor of their products simply for being that a detractor whether or not he was correct, regardless of the validity of the claims of unsafe at any speed, which as we discussed earlier in the segment, didn't quite hit the nail on the head when it came to the Corvair GM went directly to, Oh, we need to end this guy's whole career.
1: I I would like to say GM also the town that it, or sorry, is also the company that is in charge basically of Flint, Michigan. Um, when GM rolled in in the early 1900s, uh, they, they started putting up so many like GM people in local offices that the people of Flint freaked out and they elected a socialist mayor to try to combat, uh, GM. And so GM, uh, paid, uh, started, they started a fucking newspaper in Flint to uh, print lies about the socialist mayor saying that he was like the sexual degenerate. He was like, you know, going out on his like wife. He was like having gay sex. He was like, like having orgies and shit. And it worked. And they elected uh, for mayor to replace him, the former CEO of GM. Good job, Flint. So when you people call Flint a company town, it's. But here's the thing, though. It's not Flint's fault. It's GM's no, of course fault. not. Because the people are being fucking lied to and influenced in an age where you didn't think that happened. Cause if you read it in a newspaper, it's because it happened and they were just making shit up. And like, we look at, you know, we talked about Flint last episode ad nauseum, uh, because it fucking matters and because they're still fucked. And like, it, we see these companies time after time, not only do government give them, not only does the government give them a pass, not only are they allowed to do these things, not only are they encouraged to do these things, but they literally put their people into the government. And then the government acts for them. Like this fucking FBI schmuck who's running around harassing Ralph Nader because, you know, he's making GM look bad. Like, the government shouldn't give a fuck about that. The state should not care.
0: Now, in the end, uh, after the three and a half years of General Motors doing their absolute damnedest to get his case thrown out of court. Uh, A motion which only ended after the New York's uh, Court of Appeals ruled that invasion of privacy was, in this case, grounds for Nader to sue. And I I do want to specify that that little disclaimer there. In this case, um, that goes back to me talking about earlier uh, the the level of surveillance used, uh, meaning that there was an acceptable level of surveillance. And to the U.S. government, there absolutely is. If you are... Uh, speaking about a company, about a person, about whatever, the government expects that you will be looked into. Uh, to, to give a very specific an, uh, example from the New York City Court of Appeals settle, or, uh, argument, um, if a private investigator is following you, being followed by a private investigator, uh, you know, not illegal in and of itself, um, if that private investigator sees you go into a bank, they can follow you into that bank. They can watch what type of transaction you are doing. They can physically observe uh, the type of slips you're grabbing, uh, what you're doing with your hands, things like that. But if that private investigator were to look at what you are writing down, that is the line. That is what makes it illegal look into me you fucking cucks i dare you i dare you (laughs) is absolutely acceptable to the u.s government for a company to just inject themselves into your life
1: you're telling me the same government that would generate such billboard top 100 hits as the patriot act (laughs) and the occupation of iraq comma the yeah, uh, <laughs> the 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 occupation of Iraq. I'm drinking. Singing. Yeah, you are. Uh, so, so you're telling me that they're <laughs> that they're okay with some fucking some greasy fucking chain smoking Polak following you in off the fucking street, watching everything you fucking do in a bank and reporting back to their like corporate payment. Colin,
0: it it's wasn't cool. great, a greasy Polak. Right it was definitely an Irish person.
1: Yeah, with the last name Gillen, that Irish. Those bugs. Irish fucks. Stop. They all became cops because they hate black people. Uh, In the end, Ralph Nader was awarded
0: $425,000 for compensatory damages. However, the punitive damages, so money paid to the government, uh, were withdrawn as a part of the settlement. Um, In 2020 money, that is uh, about three and a half million dollars. That's It's not a
1: bad settlement for... That's a chunk of change. Yeah, that's, that is a chunk
0: of change. It is also better than most of the victims uh, of the Ford Pinto
1: got. So you're saying that GM is the reason that Ralph Nader was able to run for president?
0: Actually, yes.
1: So we should be thanking them? No. <laughs> <laughs> I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha, you, fucker. And
0: and this is the point of the show uh, where we start to point out the the things that you can do at home, the the problems that you can help solve. This is our call to action. The first thing we're going to say, don't buy a Pinto.
1: Fuck. Wait,
0: damn it. I just bought one. Ever tell you guys that my old man had a Pinto? Nice.
1: Kevin had a Pinto. Kevin, Kevin
0: had a Pinto that he bought for exactly thirty-seven dollars. Dude, I bet he got so much fucking bush in that Pinto.
1: Dude, oh my god! It, my dad barely got bush with you gotta me, with, when he got to change the my fucking upholstery in that Pinto. gets fucking, it's <laughs> rotted
0: because Fun all facts. the
1: moisture soaked into it.
0: There was no upholstery because there was no driver's seat and there was no floor on the driver's side. My dad bolted a stolen
1: stop sign to the floor of his car and put a deck chair in there. Man. I love your dad. I love Kevin so fucking much. I shouldn't be alive.
0: Un Kevin, unproblematic king, Kevin.
1: Kevin I Not like don't he, say that. Kevin is the only Kevin is the only man who that when he ejaculates, he creates drunk drivers. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's a special kind of person. Okay, you could just you could just it's me and Kyle. You can just say our names. Yeah, not Kyle. I'm not, not no, Kyle. I don't I don't mean that like the baby will become a drunk driver. I'm saying all the sperm are technically drunk drivers at the time of training. <laughs> um, yeah, do we, did you, do we did have he any... shoot himself? Did he shoot himself through the leg uh, while he was in the Pinto? Or was that later? No, this was post-Pinto. God damn it. I love Kevin. Fucking love Kevin. Kevin is the best because Kevin has all the dumb Polak traits that you'd expect, but he's not a drop of Polish blood in him. Oh my God. You know, my dad really wants me to show him how to
0: start a podcast. Too. Yeah,
1: dude, fucking let's get Kevin. Yeah, on. Let's get Kevin on. Talk. Kevin's the best. Okay. Actually, my dad, there.
0: my dad would actually be a very good resource to talk about like private ambulance companies.
1: Exactly. Yeah. He, uh, Kevin was a paramedic. He was also a fireman. Oh, oh, like, oh! No, no, no. He's got some problematic opinions about you know.
0: We should do an episode. <laughs> the
1: lesser races.
0: We should do an. <laughs> we should do an episode about. <laughs> Fire retardant chemicals and shit.
1: Yeah. Okay. It's it's fire challenge chemicals. in 2020. <laughs> Calm down. All right. Well, if come, if, guys, if, come on, guys. I, I, on. I, I on. don't think we have doing?
0: we have all that much more to say as far as our call to action goes on the Ford Pinto. Yeah. Don't buy a Pinto. Pinto. Buy a Corvair, I guess. Oh,
1: uh, we we didn't talk about uh, a fucking other car that was involved in all this shit that Ford also fucking uh, recalled. Uh, don't worry about it. It's fine. It doesn't matter. It's not part of this.
0: All right. Well, next episode, we are going to be talking That's about something. That's not the whole call
1: to action. What else do we have to say, Colin? If you right. work for an automotive company and you see unethical, shitty, unsafe things happening, whether you're an engineer, whether you're a line worker, whether you're an electrician, whatever it is, either do it, Edward Snowden or do a bud Dwyer. Those are your two options. I'm not going to elaborate on what those things are, but if you know, you know.
0: Yeah, look what happened to Takata with the airbags.
1: <laughs> right, I, I don't
0: cuz nobody blew the whistle.
1: Do you not know? No, I don't. We'll talk about th- we'll talk about this we probably,
0: We'll talk about it probably later.
1: Will. All right. Well, um
0: you, you want me to give you like a one sentence yeah, summary? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Do it. do it, do it.
0: All right, uh one sentence summary. Um so well, this will be a couple sentences. I, I, oh, <laughs> no, no, no. It, it won't be long. It they won't be long. So, airbags. Severely. No, no, no. No, no. Wrong. What, really? Yeah. Shit. Okay. So, the so way airbags work is there's uh, sodium and water, because you know sodium expands. Uh, yeah. Now reacts the with water, and then it makes gas water. that expands, and that's how airbags work. Yep. They encased this little pellet of sodium in
1: metal. Oh, I remember now. I know. And then it
0: dropped in there and then would explode and shoot fucking flaming hot shards of metal. They they turned an airbag into
1: a shotgun shell.
0: Yeah, like a pipe bomb, basically.
1: (laughs) That's no fun. It's the IRA's favorite car. So next episode,
0: we are going to be discussing uh, another subject that is Near and dear uh, to Michiganders and uh, Southeast Michiganders in particular, uh, as it's something, a, a name that we had sprinkled throughout our history books. Um, and actually, regardless of where you are in the U.S., you really can't look at the 19th century or the 20th century. They're making century a comeback, folks. Without a, wait, not, wait, 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 wait. Let's not say the names. Let's not say the no, name. No, we'll talk about it. Got to keep it. Got to well, keep well, it under actually, wraps. Yeah, we'll keep this all one under I'm saying, wraps. all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is get your fuck two by fours out
1: hey, guess what? You know what your great-grandpa did? He was beating the shit out of these guys in the fucking street. He was... They came to fucking take your great-great-grandma's land after great-great-grandpappy died in the mines. And you know what? A bunch of other fucking farmers and mine workers showed up. They beat the shit out of those guys. And Those are the people that we're going to talk about next episode. Fucking right. Set your calendars, bitches. Well, bye. Well, bye! Bye!